I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we continue our breakdown of OU Spring roster with the linebackers and cheetah positions. Then we preview the Final Four with ESPN's Chris Spatola, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostey will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, March 29th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of March, and, well, April is essentially here, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Mr. Layman, how we doing, sir? Cannot complain. Doing fantastic. Spring ball rolls on. Starting to rack up some of the practices, starting to gather some more information. And before we get to where we're going to continue our spring roster breakdown with linebackers in the cheetah position, OU Pro Day on Thursday. Coverage starts at 9.30 Central on ESPN+. Plus. You can check it out. We've got 17 guys that are participating and in Pro Day. And maybe the most exciting part about it is you and I will be on the coverage, baby. Come on. Yes. We got a good group. I think what? Uh, yourself, Chad McKee, Toby Rowland. Um, Plank supposedly or hopefully going to be there to do some interviews. Going to be good, good group. I think. I think Caleb Kelly is going to be part of it. If but oh, cool. the WWE may snatch him up. I know. That tryout man. Who he knows? They have a uh, speedo fitting today that he's got to get to. I hope. I hope he does. <laughs> I know. I hope he does. But so let, let's talk a little pro day quickly. What What are you most? You know, what are we most excited to see 
well, the the one thing that we've we've wondered about, didn't see it at the combine, is it's got to be Eric Gray's forty, right? Right. And it's I I think it's a question mark, but I I think probably well, too much is made of it, but still, whenever we don't have information, it makes us curious, right? And a really nice performance in the forty for him probably go a long way. He he did the vert and broad jump at the combine. He had a thirty-seven and a half inch vert and a nine ten broad. Those are both very solid numbers for him. I'd be surprised if he's not. You know, just looking at those explosion numbers. I mean, he's got to be in the four fives, right? I I would think. I mean, he's he's not a. It's not like he's a bad athlete. I, no. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's going to be in the four or five range. You know, it's. I mean, things can go wrong and get a bad start and all of that stuff. But I would expect him to run in the four or five range. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I think Eric's going to put up a good time. But yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the thing I'm most excited to see. I think Braden Willis is forty. As well, he did not run one at the combine, and he he didn't test particularly well in some of the other stuff. So I'm interested to see what that time looks like. I feel like it's going to be good, but now I, I, I certainly, I certainly am more curious than I was before he went to the NFL combine. If that makes sense about what that time's going to look like. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. Um I expect him with his athleticism, his quick twitch. Uh, you mentioned the explosion drills that he's already got good numbers on. I would, I would expect the forty to really be no different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at the like the vertical at thirty two at, at the combine. That's that's lower than what I thought it would have been. Mm-hmm. Right, the broad jump nine nines. You know that old Jerry Schmidt saying right ten to get in. Yeah. So he's he's not far off from that, but. The three cone was a seven three. The twenty yard shuttle was a four three six. So I I am interested. I I could see. I I think anything higher than like a low four seven would really really surprise me. I always thought he was like a four six guy, but I I don't really know what to expect. Yeah. I I don't either. Um... It it is strange you didn't run it. Right, in Indy, yeah, and he was dealing with the foot at the end of the season, so maybe you just wanted more time. And with Pro Day being this late this year, you had you had a lot more time, right, to train and get ready. And it's a really important time for him. So, I maybe if you could feel like you don't have it or something, you know, and like some of the other drills just aren't aren't going as well as you had hoped. I, I don't know. Well, something that I think people may not realize is. Braden, when when you look at his projection in the NFL, right? He he was he was an all around really solid player last year, right? We sung his praises, and the thing that stands out the most is like his his competitiveness, right? Playing with the motor that he plays with, but he doesn't have the biggest frame in the world, right? He's kind of a tweener. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a tweener in the league, and that's why that forty time is huge. Because he's going to be a special teams guy. And 
special teams coaches, they don't put guys that run four eight on teams. They just they don't, right? For the most part. So maybe that extra time dealing with that injury that he dealt with at the end of the season, maybe it was just like, hey, I just have way more time to get ready because normally OU does their pro day right before spring break, right? So it's like a full two weeks later, two and a half weeks later. So I maybe it was just like, hey, I got more time to train this and get it, get to where I want to be. That's maybe that's it's as simple as that. Yeah. And it, it could be. I, I've never seen anything ab- about his performance. We've always heard how good he is in the weight room and in the workouts. And I don't know. I, I would expect I would expect solid numbers. Now it's not it's not going to be anything that is like a, a make or break for him. Like I, I think his, his film, like what they've seen him do in person. I think all of that stuff is going to carry him a really long way, but you know, he, he needs to avoid a, a red flag type of number. I mean, that's to me, that's really it. Unless right. he's going to go out the other end and, and be an outlier in a good, good end of it. And, run an incredibly fast number that gets him some attention. You know, if he's if he's kind of middle of the pack for for that position group, I think his film's going to do all the talking. Right. Uh, a couple other things I'm excited to see. Marvin Mims's position drills. I talked to Marvin uh, at practice last weekend. He said he's he's going to stand although those really good testing numbers he did at the Smart. combine. Yeah, he'll be uh he'll just be running routes and catching balls and now, I'm excited to see what he looks like, what type of show he puts on with that. And then our guy, Deshaun White, what do he tell us? Low 4-5? High 4-4? Four, Let, four? Let's see it. Let's see it. If if he puts out that type of number, that would be incredibly impressive. Um, I, I I would be I would be impressed if he ran 4-5. Yeah, well, he's got the opportunity Thursday. And then the last thing I'm interested in seeing, like, CJ Colden had a really nice finish when it comes to the back half of the season for Oklahoma. Really wish he would have stayed for another year. I think he I had know. another year. Yeah, he was he was there for it seemed like all the big plays and turnovers, he was either creating them or right there in the action. Yeah. So I am, you know, with some of the plays that he made in the back half of the year, I am I'm very interested to see what the testing numbers look like. Yeah. To see if He's maybe a guy that'll get an invite to a camp and could somehow earn his way onto a roster. I, I don't know, but gonna be fun to watch. No, yeah, it is because I, I don't know that. Did we ever see any numbers on him whenever he was here? Um, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think we did. So I really don't have anything to base it off of. He he's a smooth athlete. Looks athletic. Looks fairly explosive. So I, I would expect some decent type testing numbers. Yeah. All right, let's get into our spring roster breakdown. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're in your world, Ted. This is the best. This is my favorite one that we do because I kind of just get to step over to the side and say, all right, Ted, inside <laughs> linebackers and Cheetah, go. Where are we starting? Who are we starting with? You got well, it. I I guess we start with the guy that everyone knows, Stutzman, right? He's um he he's coming off of a really good year, led the Big Twelve in tackles. Last, you know, handful of games were uh his best of his career and it should be something that he can build on. He's gonna be looked at as a leader in that position group. He's the most veteran player with the most snaps. Um you you continue to build knowledge as you play and experience, but you know, he's he's at a point now where it's not an excuse. If you have a full year in a defense, it's no longer an excuse that you're 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 kind of still learning it. He's he's got a full year under his belt. So I expect him cut down massively on mental mistakes. I think um another year in strength and conditioning is is gonna be good for him. He's a big dude. Uh, you don't have to worry anything about size. He, he's he got a good motor. He plays hard. Um, you know, some of his, his testing numbers, like for 40, weren't great. But I think maybe he was just kind of, uh, as a young player, overwhelmed with all of the stuff happening. And I think that we could see his uh, his speed increase through this cycle of strength and conditioning. So, I think everything is there for him to have a really good year. Now, he needs a good D-line in front of him. That's going to help. You know, the the better those guys play, the more defined everything is in front of you, the easier it is to make plays. And and I think he's a good tackler. He missed some tackles, obviously, but I think the majority of his missed tackles stem from mental mistakes and, and and technique issues and and really understanding where you fit, not really a physical limitation on tackling. So, I expect him to to have a really big year, and I expect him to to grow up and and be the leader of that defense. Yeah, I I really don't, I, I really don't have many, if any, questions about his physical ability. Right now, one thing that you and I brought up a lot throughout the season was he's got to get his pads down, man, because he's a tall dude. Mm-hmm. He, he's him and I are like the same height. Like he's he's six four. Yep. Like he is. He's a tall guy there in the inside. So you you have to understand that. And you know when you're absorbing contact from some of these guys, like you you have to drop your pad level. So that's something I'm sure he is working on throughout spring ball, but. I think the most important thing for him is the leadership 
and, and just the mental side, like being that guy along with whether it's Canick or McKenzie or Witter or whoever, mm-hmm. right? That is just that absolutely knows the defense inside and out. Now yep. your hope is that all your guys do, right? But Ted, you know this better than anyone else. That inside backer position, like that's where everyone turns and look. The defensive linemen stand up and turn around and look at those guys, and all the guys in the defensive backfield are looking at those guys for like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. And Stutzman needs to get to the point where, I mean, there's just there's no hesitation anymore. Yep. And, and from what I saw last week at practice, like he was as assertive and confident, like moving guys around as I've seen him look. And that's how it should be with, yep. with now the time he's spent in the defense. Yep. That's good. Um, you know, I think the pad level thing, because, you know, I, I remember going out to practice last year at training camp and like an inside drill, seeing him getting flat backed a couple of times by like pulling guards coming up through the hole and everything. And, you know, I, I, I think is as big and strong as he is. I think that comes from not really being sure where you fit and you're kind of right. standing up and looking a little bit and feeling your way. And I'm hoping that that, that issue is fixed by knowing being assertive and being aggressive and knowing exactly without a doubt where you're supposed to be and supposed to fit. And you can go do it with some aggression and not be kind of high and waiting and looking around. So I'm hoping that fixes it, but it's something he's going to have to work on for being a taller backer. And I agree with you. Um, you know, getting guys lined up, knowing exactly what you're supposed to do, moving quickly. Um, I, I expect all those things to be there. It's it's no excuse time for him, and, and we'll see. We'll see. It's a big spring for him. Yeah, I, I feel like he is – he's like a no-doubter. He's going to be one of the guys in the inside there. The other position is the one that feels like it's more up for grabs. Right. And, and and when you look at that other inside backer spot, Ted, who who do you think are kind of the main guys jockeying to be on the field? Well, I think the the main Mike Backer um competition gonna be between Canick and McKenzie. Um Canick athletically, uh an outlier, can absolutely fly, has great top end speed, has real good body awareness and you know, naturally kind of plays in a good low athletic position. Um, but he's still young. He hasn't hardly played linebacker his entire life. He's He still hasn't played really any meaningful snaps at all in a football game. So he he's still incredibly raw. And I know everyone has these massive expectations for him. And that's good. I I believe that he's going to get there. It's just going to take time. You know, he is right now where Stutzman was at this time last year, right? And we saw – and Stutzman actually played more football his freshman year than Canick did. So, um, I expect him to, to get a lot of reps. It's going to help to have a guy like Stutzman there lined up next to you to, to you know, kind of be the voice in – and you're there kind of more more concerned with yourself than everyone else. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a grind for him. And kind of the same thing with Kobe McKenzie. Uh redshirted last year, didn't play any. Um it's it's still gonna be a grind getting those guys 
knowledge base and experience base up to par, but both of them are kind of like you've got Canick, who's the athlete, really good in space. And then you've got McKenzie, who's a little bit more of a thumper, what you'd consider like an old school Mike Backer. Um, you know, whenever he first got on campus was really slow footed and, you know, just had a hard time getting his pad level down and moving and, and being aggressive. But as he's been here a little bit, he's really worked on that. His, it, I think he's he's got a, a better physique and he's worked on his footwork quite a bit and the drills that they're doing day in, day out. So, I mean, both those two guys, if you could combine them, you could you probably have the perfect Mike Backer at this point. But uh, right now, where they both kind of have some limitations, the other guy picks up in that area. Um, but both of them, knowledge base is going to be low. So it's going to be a work in progress. Yeah, I think the mental piece of it, and not that these guys are – when we talk about the mental piece and we say it takes time, I feel like some people interpret it, interpret that as us saying that, like, they're dumb. That That's not it. Like, football's complicated, especially the they're inside They're football backers. dumb, <laughs> which yeah, everyone football. is when they show up. Yeah, it just – and things are moving so fast, and there's so many different things and adjustments that you have to make when you're in that, that inside backer spot. Like, it's a complicated position to play and it takes just like anything else. Like it takes reps and reps and reps at it. So we're not saying these guys are idiots or anything like that. It's just, it's hard. And when, when sport, I, when you don't play football in high school, I don't know what that is. I, when you go to college, it's a totally different sport. Everything changes. And for the most part, everyone starts at square one with nothing. Right. And, when it, when you look at Canick, just seeing, you know, he's he's definitely added weight. He's almost two thirty now, and just seeing him out there on the practice field, the dude operates with a extremely heightened sense of urgency. It like every rep, and which is good. Especially, I, I was impressed with, and I know you'll love this. His, his drops in zone coverage. It's like something's on fire and he needs to find like what route is being run in behind it. Like it's the head is on a swivel <laughs> and you, you love seeing that stuff, that type of stuff from a young player. But I, I do want to, I do want to compliment Kobe McKenzie. You and I, when we saw him for the first time last year, we were like, Oh boy, is, is he the type of guy? Like, are they going to move him to D line? That was a conversation we had because of the way he looked and to his credit, he's taken it very seriously. He's slimmed down. He looks good physically. I mean, seeing him the other day, he looks really good physically. It's clear. He has put the work in. And I, I think that that was the most important thing for him. And now he's given himself a chance to be on the field because it sounds like, man, that they are really pleased with his progress mentally you know understanding the defense but also physically like he's putting the time in he's putting the work in and the results the results are good so i i think him putting that type of work in that that should allow them to have more depth like if canick ends up being the starter but it is what it is but at least you've got mckenzie in the mix where they feel really good about where he's at as a player yeah yeah 
Um, I I expect I, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that they'll name a starter out of out of those guys that competition for Mike Backer. But I mean, it it may be a situation where both those guys play a a, a bunch of reps this year. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I think both of them are have physically made the the steps that they need to take, and it's just going to be a battle of who can be more consistent on a day to day basis. Yeah, and just looking at other guys the kind of factor into the picture Shane Witter. I'm just with Witter. I'm pretty much out like, Hey, the guy's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I, he can fly. I think he's, he's a pretty instinctive player, but it's just one of these situations where he's been so banged up now throughout his career. It's just hard to hard to think, okay, like, yeah, he's going to be a significant piece to this defense. I'm just going to need to see him be able to stay on the practice field and then playing games, which has been, it's been an issue. Yep. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of the guys that needs to stack a bunch of reps and, and be consistent. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard once you've kind of been not, not labeled that, but you've got to work your way back up and it's tough because you're going to be working with less reps. The ones get the most reps. The twos obviously get the next amount. And then after that, it's very difficult to get any reps at all. And, you know, the difficulty goes through the roof with the lower amount of reps. I, if you've got, you know, in a period as a three, I, you may get three reps, if that. And if you mess up on one of those reps – it's like your 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 batting average gets really bad really quickly, and it's hard to make up any ground on any of the guys in front of you. You're basically at that point waiting on something bad to happen to where you're bumped up the you know the pecking order to a number two. So uh, it's going to be difficult for him to to get that consistency back, but just needs to start stacking good practices one on top of the other. Yeah, a couple other guys, Kip Lewis. Just keep eating, man. Keep eating and keep lifting. The dude can fly, though. Mm-hmm. You see him out there on the practice field. If the ball is away, like he stands out with his ability to run. I mean, but he's only what two hundred and three pounds is what he's listed at. Tough. It's just it's too light, man. It's just too light when you're talking about the inside backer spot. And then Phil Pachotti. I'll just tell you, man. Dude made some plays when I was out there, and he seems to have the proper amount of crazy. You want your inside backers to have a lot of, lot of screaming, a lot of audible noise into the ether. <laughs> Ted, where I was just like, okay, what is what is this guy's deal? But he he already looks the part out there. Like he looks like he belongs already. Which is, I mean, that's half the battle, right, man? Yeah, yep. Big physical dude, right? Um, he's an early arrival the fact that he's out there and vocal and feels comfortable enough to, to be a guy that's, that's got that much uh, energy and all of that is really good. Um, he's in, he's in the face like, okay, fourth, what fifth practice is today. I believe this is where the freshmen start to really fade. We've gone from three defensive play calls overall to now we're probably at like 10, and we're adding blitzes in and all kinds of stuff. The offense is adding motions and shifts. 
this is where it really starts to deteriorate for the young guys. But everyone knows that. If if you show up, you play with energy, physicality, good technique, and you know, at least most of the time can find yourself in the right spot, you're ahead of the curve. Um, but the ability to get this spring under his belt and another summer, another training camp, who knows, right? The two guys battling in front of him, Canick and McKenzie, have a have a big leg up on him, but you, it's not going to be hard to make up ground if you can absorb the defense quickly and be able to be a little bit more consistent with those guys. You can at least find yourself in the mix. And, you know, I always talk about how rare it is. It does happen where some guys can just, it clicks, right? And it clicks fast and you you make enough big plays whenever you're out there, it can kind of overshadow some of the mistakes. And he seems like that confident of a dude to where, you know, a couple of misfits aren't going to ruin his day. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd say he's the wild card in that that competition for Mike Backer. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I think it's safe to say we feel better about the inside backer situation now than we did a year ago. But still, got to build the depth mm-hmm. at that position. That's why it's so important for guys like McKenzie and Kip Lewis and Canick. Pachotti, like they they gotta get better throughout the spring. So that'll be this is a massive spring for that group. Okay, let's talk Cheetah. And where do you want to start? Right. It's a it's a different type of position. How how, which which guys do you think we need to we need to cover with that cheetah spot? Harrington, McCola, uh probably Pearson and Bowen. Four very different body type dudes. Which is good. You go from, I guess, extra large down to medium with that group. <laughs> extra large, large, medium. I I think that, I think Justin Harrington is the guy right now. Yep. You look at his physical profile. 6'3", 215, looking very comfortable out there in space. Guy's a, he's an explosive athlete, right? which is what you need at that position. Maybe his ability to tackle in space is your biggest concern, right? His ability to be physical at the point of attack and the run fit, use his hands, get off blocks, right? That's That's probably where your biggest concern is, but if he can play the run as well as he needs to play it, the dude can cover. He can run. He's long. He's got everything you want, right, when when it comes to dropping in the zone, playing man on, on different types of, of pass catchers. So he looks he looks good right now, man. And And the coaches are excited about how comfortable he appears to be in that position and his – his overall understanding of the defense right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got the edge at cheetah. Well, one athletically he's, I think he's um, probably by quite some margin, the fastest, most explosive guy there. Like he is a, he's a legit, um, I, you know, he, he had the, what was it? The knee, but 
previously he was a 4-3 guy. He's a 40-inch vertical guy, uh, extremely explosive, and he's got great length. Uh, you know, whenever you go stand next to him, he looks like a linebacker. He doesn't look like who played – remember, he played corner here when he first got here. So That was the decision. Yeah. That was well, a choice. If, gosh, if it would have worked, can you imagine how uh, – he's got the athleticism to play the position, but I think he's more suited closer to the football and, you know – I agree. I think some of the tackling, open field stuff is is maybe what you concern yourself with the most. And if he can, you know, they moved him around at some different positions a year ago. I think he's I think he's a one position lock in on that and roll. Um, so I feel good about it. Um, I I also think that, you know, whenever we we talk about missed tackles a lot, missed tackle at the safety position out on the perimeter with cheetah, even at linebacker. It's usually a a combination of a mental mistake and lining up maybe in the wrong spot or taking a few bad steps, a combination of that and other people not being where they're supposed to be. Right. If everyone plays their role, how it's supposed to, Rarely should you ever be on some really big island in the open field with a a running back or wide receiver bearing down on you. Within the framework of a defense, it should all be put into alleyways for guys to come and make plays. So I'm hoping as we become a, a more sound defense that some of those wide open missed tackles that turn into 20, 30 yard gains become very limited and I think that will help Harrington but um also reps the dude just needs reps and and some confidence to come behind it whenever you watch him play like whenever he's on the field last year you notice the guy because he's got an unbelievable motor he's extremely positive he plays as hard as anyone I love the dude and I have for a long time and I'm glad to see that he's he's rounding into into shape to to maybe get a starting role. Yeah, uh, I, I think the other big name that OU fans are associating with the cheetah position is McCullough, right? Ton of hype coming in from Indiana at an extremely productive freshman year, but new school, new scheme. You're in the position room with Venables, right? <laughs> psychopath you you know how that goes (laughs) yeah so learning the system is clearly important and i am i am not an expert on backer play like you are ted but just from seeing him once in person i think the most important thing for him is to become best friends with jerry schmidt in the weight room he's thin man Mm -hmm. especially in the lower half like thin and I don't know many guys that have skinny legs that are really good football players. I don't know many. So I, I think that needs to be, yeah, learning the defense is important. Clearly adjusting to life at OU is important for him. But he's got to improve his strength and explosiveness. I mean, when you just watch Harrington operate in space versus him, like it's not close right now. So 
he's got to he's got to put in a ton of work to add strength, but also to add. And, and some guys just have it naturally, and some guys got to really work at it. He's got to add more suddenness, more twitch, if he's going to play that position where he's got to play in space as much as he's going to have to. And it's not going to be easy. It's probably not going to be a whole lot of fun. But that that's just what he's going to need to do from what I've seen. Yeah. Well, I am – I'm not really concerned with uh, Jason. Um I think he's got some really good traits. Like The thing that we've got to remember is – this is like a a backer edge player. And now they've removed him from that world and put him more in the secondary role. Right? And that's a that's a huge change. And he's only four or five practices in. So a lot of these like he doesn't have the muscle memory to fall on for some of these movements out in the open field yet. So as he gets more reps, gets more comfortable, I think he's going to start to move better out there in space. I Just like I was talking about uh, Stutzman getting flat-backed in inside drill because he's a little unsure and he's looking around trying to figure out where he fits, it's kind of the same thing with Desan out in space. Like I'd re- I'd love to to mash the gas pedal and go full throttle, but I'm not exactly sure I'm in the right place, and it just kind of hinders your athleticism. Um, I think it's going to come for him. It's just going to it's just going to take a little bit of time. My curiosity is if Harrington continues to to dominate that, and it looks like he's going to give you an excellent cheetah. Do they try Desan at edge, or do they try him at Mike Backer? If maybe you've got inconsistencies from from Kobe McKenzie and Jaron Kanick, um, I think that they're going to find a way to get their best players on the field, whatever positions that means. And and I think that I think he's going to once he settles in with all of the change that he's gone through transferring here I think we're we're going to see the football player show up you know he does some things um I've been told every day that that stick out as you just can't coach that and you know as they get him more and more comfortable they're going to hope that those things continue to show up on a more frequent basis yeah so it is I I mean I just I look at him and, and I feel like the fan base when he when he decided to come to Oklahoma, it's like he's going to have double-digit sacks and he's going to have like five interceptions. He's just going to be – I mean, he's just going to be unbelievable, right? I mean, the expectations are really high. I, I just think people need to – need to calm down a little bit, right? He, the, the guy – it's it's a lot of change for him. Yep. And, and he's still really young. Yeah. But I I, I still believe – you know, football players, like if you can play football, they'll find a way to get you on the field. Yep. But the most important thing for him is the weight room. You you got it. You got to add some more. You got to add some more pop. Right. You, yep. you, you just have to. So that's that's my 
that's my big thing with him after seeing after seeing him in person for the first time. Yeah, well, he's got the right strength coach. Oh my gosh, It'll be a long off season for him, man. <laughs> It'll be a long one. All right, do you want do you want to cover Bowen and Pearson now, or do you want to save it for when we talk about safeties and corners? Well, I'll just say quickly that I think Pearson is kind of your your catch-all, your experienced guy, the guy that you're going to be able – because he's played so much football that you're going to be able – got position versi- uh, versatility with him, and you're going to be able to move him around and get good, solid play. Um, and, and Bowen's going to be the guy that – he's a young guy. He's got great athleticism and can move. Just like we were talking about some of the other young guys, he it's going to be a lot for him. They say he's got a great football IQ. We'll see how he acclimates to that position because it's different than playing safety from the top. The vision of the field is completely different. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little more about them when we talk about the rest of the defensive backs, but definitely want to say just a tragic situation mm. for Bowen's sister. So prayers to the Bowen family uh, with everything they're dealing with. He put some stuff out on social media where OU fans can help them out with with that awful situation. So go check that out. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys, how are y'all feeling about OU's linebacker and cheetah situation? This first one comes from Eric Foltz, who says, there's a ton of talk about the immediate positive impact McCullough can make. Are we expecting too much too fast? Will it also take him a year or more to learn BV's defense? He's in the same spot as all the other guys were at this time last year. That's an interesting point from our man, Eric Foltz. Like he is, we talk about, I mean, we just covered the, the physical gains he needs to, he he needs to make, but that's a good way of putting it. Like, Hey, he's in the spot that all these guys that we complained about all year about, uh, we're in it's so, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like the guy can't play that. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just, he's having to absorb a lot, Ted, a lot. Yeah, he is. Um, One of the things that happens is if you've got a, a mass of players that know nothing, it takes a long time to get the mass of players to where they are, um, you know, they have the adequate information and understanding to play good football. Now, when you have a mass of players that have an adequate understanding of the defense, of the schemes, and are playing good and understand it, the new guys get up to speed a whole lot faster. And he is in the same position as all the rest of the guys were a year ago. But because there's more people around and there's some learning through osmosis a bit that goes on, I believe, I don't, you know, it's just everyone knows more and the questions you ask get answered a little bit better. You're actually seeing guys do it properly in practice. Um, So they get up to speed quicker and I expect that to happen. But changing a, a, it's a totally different position than what he's used to. And like I said, like the muscle memory stuff is going to be the real thing that that is is going to take a little bit of time for him totally new drills that he's used to um just different movement in practice than he's used to uh it's going to take a little bit of time but 
I think he'll get up to speed rather quickly. But yeah, um, I I think we we should we should maybe temper expectations until we we fully see what he has, and that could take some time. You know, luckily they've got a ton of football before they kick the thing off to start the season next year. And we'll learn more and more about him as we roll. But I'll say this, the, the potential and the, the, the thing is, is like some guys are gamers and he's shown that he's got a lot of production as a player, as a young player already in big time football. So I think that, I think the future's bright for him. We'll just have to see how quickly he gets there. Yeah, this other one comes from at Waldorf Man ha, ha on Twitter. <laughs> he said, I have no idea how to feel. We hear so much hype about Danny and Jaron, but the success will be determined by our depth, and we hear nothing about Shane, Kobe, and Kip. Tired of hearing about first stringers only, probably because I never was one. <laughs> we just talked about all those guys. Come on, Waldorf Man. Well, talking it, about it's it's tough whenever those guys don't get a whole lot of reps and i there's you have to develop your roster there's no doubt about it but um you know it's it's hard to talk about guys like this is the first time that they're we're practicing and those guys are, are back getting reps we're not going to talk about guys that didn't step on the field during the season so unfortunately there's not a lot of room for it. Yeah. It is what it is, man. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy second birthday to Izzy Plost. Happy fourth birthday to Will Fletcher. Happy 30th birthday to Big 3-0 to Chad Miller. And happy birthday to James Dunlap. All right, let's preview the Final Four with ESPN's Chris, Chris Spatola. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game, visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here's Chris Spatola. 
It is our pleasure to be joined by one of the best analysts covering college basketball. You see him on ESPN. You hear him on Sirius XM Radio. First and foremost, thank you for your service, sir. <laughs> Chris Batola, how we doing, baby? It's good to see you, man. It's good to see you, man. I spent so much time in Big 12 country during the college hoop season. I, th I thought at least at some point I'd run into you somewhere. I, I know, right? Do you even, do you want to talk about the problems my centers had this season, man. It, it was not a fun year for the squad. Yeah, I know. Outside of the Alabama win, which was one of the more remarkable, perplexing, puzzling wins of the season. Outside of that, I'm I'm with you. It was uh, it was a tough tough year. Yeah, big bounce back year next year for <laughs> Porter Moser in year three. That's that's what I'm going to keep telling myself, man. Okay, let's talk Final Four. You you look at you look at this Final Four, uh, just. I don't want to say it's abnormal, but certainly a lot different than what we saw with all the blue bloods a year ago. There's been a lot of discourse about, Hey, is this good for the sport? What's it mean for ratings? Like all this, all this stuff, three teams in the final four for the first time. Like I got to imagine you think this is healthy for college basketball, right? I, I do think it's healthy. And I, I think what it takes is I think we've got to get, particularly in college basketball, it's different than football. We've got to get the idea of brand names dominating the final four like they do in, in the college football playoff. Um, because this is a, it's a tournament that starts with 68 teams. It's, it's incredibly democratic. Uh, it's a, it's the one and done format. It's all that we know. But the other thing, Gabe, is like the world is a lot flatter in college basketball. I mean, there are more good players. There are players everywhere. I think the COVID years had a real impact on the sport to begin with. And I just think this is, this is a product of the times. I mean, FAU is a good team. They were in the top 25 this year. They've won 35 games. San Diego State has been a perennial good team in the Mountain West. They've been in the NCAA tournament before. Miami was in the Elite Eight last year. And then UConn is, to me, a, a blue blood program. So I think when you you do a little bit of a dive into the weeds, it's not all that shocking, the the composition of this Final Four. But I do think it is a – I think it's a harbinger of, of things to come here. Looking at, looking at the four teams, right, FAU, San Diego State, UConn, and Miami, is there – do you think any of these teams have a significant coaching advantage? Like, I, I feel like a lot of times when we get to this point in the tournament – it's about, okay, what coaches have been there? You know, how can they prepare their team? They've been through that. I, we really don't have that, right? Yeah, no, we don't. I mean, three of these guys are, are head coaches in the Final Four for the first time. And one of them, Jim Larnega, uh, hadn't been to the Final Four since 2006, and that was with George Mason. So he's doing it largely for the first time um, here. It, it's – um. I don't think, look, I, I was I was a director of operations at Duke when we won a national championship, so I have experienced it uh, on a coaching staff. There is, fortunately, you know, we were working for Coach K, who had been there a number of times before, uh, but there is nothing you can do, I think, Gabe, to prepare yourself or your team for everything that goes on at that event. And the basketball, to be honest with you, is the least of the concerns, uh, it's all the external stuff that goes on at a Final Four. It's a, You're there for a long time, especially if, if you play on Monday. So it's dealing with all of the external stuff, I think, that that all of these these coaches are going to have to deal with. But, um, you know, fortunately, you know, again, I think each of them knows how they win at this point. 
and and so there's identities that are set. You kind of knew know who you are as a basketball team, and now you just have to attack Houston and deal with all of the other stuff that's product of a Final Four. All right, let's look at the matchups. Uh, first game, FAU against San Diego State. When you look at the roster, San Diego State, a much older team than FAU, probably a little more mature guys, a lot of fourth year, fifth year type of guys. But that, how do you how do you view this matchup? Right, two teams that we didn't necessarily expect to be here. Yeah, I, I think the thing with both of these teams, Gabe, is is um. You know, they remind both have had to come from behind in order to get here. I mean, San Diego State was down in the second half to Alabama, ended up coming back, winning that game. And it was the same in the um, in their game against Creighton. I mean, they're down late in that game. They've got to sort of just stay in the fight, stay in the fight. And it's the same with FAU. I mean, they're down seven late in that game and they end up having to come back and and, and fight to win that. Um, they both remind me of a, of a boxer who's, you know, basically lining up and saying, I'm going 12 rounds. Now, I may take a haymaker in the sixth. We may go back and forth, and there may be a spraying of haymakers in the seventh and the eighth. But by the twelfth round, you better be on your best because my will to win is is going to be there. And it's a bit of an esoteric take, but I think it's indicative of both of these teams. I think they both have the right attitude. I think a lot of winning at this point in the season is about attitude. Uh, not that playing well isn't important, but all of these teams are playing well by the time you get to an Elite Eight and a Final Four I think both of these teams believe they should be here. I think it's a big part of it. Um, look, I think FAU is going to win this game because I, I think they they combine that level of defense, that level of toughness, uh, and that level of depth that San Diego State has with the ability to score. They can make threes. They're making 10 threes a game over the course of the season. They haven't shot it as well in the tournament, and they've still been able to win. They're They're getting offensive rebounds. Uh, they're they're getting to the foul line. Their bench has given them 17 points a game. So I just think offensively, particularly late in that in that game, I, I favor FAU, and so I think they're going to win it. But I think this is going to be an absolute fight. I'm with you. I, I will say that San Diego State Creighton game caused me physical pain watching all those missed shots. My goodness, man, that was a tough watch. It yeah. was, but we'll see. Do you think? How big of a role do you think Vlad Golden will have in that game? Right, I, yeah. I thought he stepped up in a big way in their Elite Eight game, and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure San Diego State has much of an answer for him if he plays the way he's been playing these last couple. Yeah, it's it's a good question because he didn't have a great tournament. You know, he he did not have a good first round, second round game. He played a little bit better in the Sweet Sixteen, and then he absolutely killed Kansas State. Um, the good thing for them is is their backup is good. Their backup was their leading scorer. Uh, Gabriel Rosado was their leading scorer in the first round matchup they had um, against Memphis. I think he's important, and and I think he's particularly important after you see what what San Diego State and their front line. They're deeper up there. What their front line did to Ryan Kalkbrenner by the end of that game. I, I thought he wore he wore down. I thought they kind of their physicality took him out of the game. So Golden's important. I think he's mostly important for giving them that that gravity, particularly in the high pick and roll stuff. Um, you know, again, they're a good, I think, team, gang rebounding team. So it's not necessarily that, but it's about his gravity, rim running to the basket. Can they throw it to him a little bit? Maybe you pick up some cheap fouls on on that front line for San Diego State. I think he's important. But, but again, I think this game comes down to their ability to spread it, their ability to get into the paint, uh, and their ability to get some cheap stuff. 
you know, they're going to have to, the thing is, Gabe, they're going to have to take better care of the ball. They, they would have won that Kansas State game going away if they didn't turn it over 22 times. Kansas State scored 30 points off of those 22 turnovers. So they got to take care of the ball. And, and again, if they do that, I think their offense can, can really get some stuff done. Yeah. Uh, I think even though not the big brand name is going to be a fun game. Okay. The other one, you, you look at UConn versus Miami. UConn's killing everyone in the tournament. Like yeah. how how can Miami not only how can they win this how, can they keep it close like do you think they have the personnel to play with UConn who seems to have you know three high level guys that are going to be pros yeah yeah I do I actually think they're going to win the game to be candid I, yeah yeah I do um, first of all I, I think path matters and look i think there's there's the one side of the coin with uconn saying look they're beating teams by an average of 22 points a game in this tournament there's the other side of the coin that says man they haven't really been tested late in these games in this tournament whereas miami a team that played in the elite eight last year had the competitive equity that comes with losing a game the way they lost that game to kansas now here they are in the final four and they got here by having to come back down 13 in the second half uh, in that game to, in the elite eight to get here. Um, there's equity. I think that comes from that. And Texas is good, you know, obviously. So I, I think, look, I think Miami is incredibly unique. They're built a little bit like a mid-major team, not in talent, but in just in terms of profile, they, they, they're really off the bounce. They can really spread you out. Nor Chad O'Meara's only six, seven, but you know, as Kelvin Sampson said, he was the strongest frontline guy they had played all year. He really is a dirty work, embraces his role kind of a guy. It's a team that knows how they win. And I think late in that game, Gabe, to have three alphas, three guys who can go get you a bucket in a tournament where these possessions become so magnified, to have a Jordan Miller who is a pro, to have Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack, three dudes who can go get you really any kind of bucket you need, I think that's a big difference maker uh, and again, a, a Miami team that's got some scar tissue. They got some metal. They got they got a little bit of that, you know, that equity. I like to call it going into this game that I I think helps them late in, in the second half against UConn. Okay, that's interesting. Now we saw we saw Miami just get easy basket after easy basket in the paint against Texas in that Elite Eight game. I I got to think you you look at what Sonogo, Klingon, Caravan like. I can't imagine they're going to get that many easy baskets at the rim like they did. Are they going to have to just hit some more threes? Are they going to have to take some more threes? Because they they beat that Texas team. They only shot or they only made two threes in that game, which is which is crazy to imagine. You can win an Elite Eight game only hitting two threes in today's day and age of college basketball. Yeah, the one thing they're doing, and, and this gets back to the point about, you know, they're not a, a volume three-point shooting team. They only make on the season about seven a game, which is a low figure. What they've done in this tournament is they have dominated at the foul line, both getting there and making free throws. It's how they want. Honestly, it's really how they beat Texas. They're plus 32 at the foul line in this tournament. And again, I mean, that's a massive number. You, you know, like it's that's five threes, a little over five threes there. So you know, they're getting to the foul line. I think they put a lot of pressure on on defenses with their ability to drive it. Um, you know, nor Chad O'Meara and that 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 high pick and roll in the middle third of the floor has an ability to drag, you know, big guys away from the rim. 
um, which I think they're going to be able to do. Uh, they're just a really unique matchup. And the thing about them, Gabe, like they're a team that just kind of balls, you know, like they just play. And, and so much of that comeback against Texas was Texas got really tight. Texas was playing not to lose. Whereas Miami, they were just balling. They were just playing. They were just off the dribble and, and were playing with a looser string. And I think that's kind of who they are. And so, you know, I, that's who I think they're going to be. I think this game's going to be wide open, spread them out, off the dribble, up and down. And I think in a game like that, I think it favors the team with, with more ball handlers, more alphas on the offensive end. Okay, so you like FAU. You like Miami. Who do you like on Monday night then? You know, it's hard for me to go away from the Miami Hurricanes, and I, I'm, I'm having a hard time because I really do like FAU. Like, uh, that is not, not placating them. But I just – I think it's Jim Laranaga's time. Uh, no slight to Dusty May. Uh, I think he's got a long career, and I don't imagine it's going to be completely at FAU. I think he's going to be probably coming to the, the Power Five closest to some of us uh, at some point. I think this is Jim Laranaga's year. I think when in this day and age – Gabe of 2023 where we are constantly as media people obsessing over roster management and how do you build a roster with the volatility and the transfers and the NIL I think you're looking at a Miami team that this is perfect roster roster construction I mean they brought back like eight guys from last year so you got a little competitive equity a team that lost in the elite eight a team that's been together you've got some freshmen who last year who became sophomores this year, so you could still grow young players into your program, Wooga Poplar, Bensley Joseph, and then you sprinkle in two transfers in Norchad O'Meara and Nigel Pack, who have been fantastic and have fit really well alongside those guys who were in the program last year. I think the dynamic, I think the chemistry, I think all of that is really, really good. And I, I think at the end of the day, the team that can play offense, and it's not that they can't play defense, because their defense and their rebounding is a big part of why they are here. But I think in this po- at this point in the tournament, a team that can really score it and get after it on that end. Um, I like Miami in that, in that championship game. Do you have any concern that your judgment is being clouded by the fact that you host a show on Sirius XM ACC radio, and it would give you a lot more content to talk about if Miami wins? Of course, that's my concern. Uh, we're all biased. I mean, if, we, if we're all not rooting for the channels that have the rights to our leagues or have, I mean, give me, give me a break. I was, dude, I was, I was heartbroken with K-State and Texas loss. And I'm an OU guy. And I was like, Texas, how, how are you going to get livid booty like that? And just clam up in the last nine minutes of that game. Yeah, dude. I've got so close to those programs in the big 12. Cause I'm there like all season. And I mean, I'm at the big 12 tournament. And we're in talking to Rodney Terry prior to the championship game in one in a back in a back uh, office there. And out from the bathroom comes Christian Bishop. And he had lit the bathroom up. And he's talking to us about it. That's how close we got to these teams by the end of the season. So I'm with you, dude. I, I worked with the Big 12. I got close to them. I was bummed to see those teams leave, leave the tournament. And now here I do the show on ACC and uh, I'm riding with them. So let's say it's all about me. I, I, I completely understand that completely understand. All right. Last one. I'll let you get out of here, man. How do we fix? OU basketball, you, you've been part of national championships. Like t- fix it. How do we, how, how do we fix this thing? How do we get this thing rolling in Norman? Come on. Well, I think the first thing is we can't panic. I think you have the right guy. 
Uh, I don't know how you feel. Uh, just in my interactions with Porter Moser, I think he's terrific. I think it's very hard to win young in this league. Um, and and so I think you saw some. I you saw him go in the direction of some of those younger players, which I think was the right move, because I think it gets to the second point. In order to get a little bit more athletic, he had to go in the direction of those younger players. Um, what that meant is you're taking guys like Tanner Groves off the floor a little bit more. Jacob Groves, you know, just hasn't been a, a, a great fit. But I think as those younger players, hopefully they stay at OU, Gabe, and I'll leave that up to you and your NIL money that you pay those guys. Uh, as those guys get more experience, I think they're the right guys, and I think Porter's the right guy. But you got to get older in that league, and then maybe maybe you hit the portal and maybe you get a guy or two that can help supplement what they have. But I think they're going in the right direction. It's just a brutal league to have to build from the bottom up in. I hear you. I wonder – I wonder if Larinaga will let John Ruiz get out there and cut down a piece of the net if they actually win it all. He should absolutely should. He Are definitely should. Of course, of course he should. I'm sure that I'm sure that whole narrative has been exhausting to talk about for you guys over at ACC Radio. Chris, you're the man. Yeah, uh, you're you're one of the best doing it. I always appreciate catching up with you. Thanks for the time, buddy. Uh, pleasure's all mine, Gabe. I appreciate you bringing me on here. How about Spatola having Miami winning it all? Okay. Hey, I'll, at this point, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I I guess I'm going to hitch my wagon to FAU. Really? He's got FAU-Miami in the finals, so. I like I, FAU. I, I'll go ahead. I picked UConn to win it in my bracket. I'm going to go, go ahead and it. stick with the Huskies. Yeah, I, I see no problem with that. They're They're capable. They're capable. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, in the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from any insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? A couple of NFL rule changes. Um, not a huge deal, but we got number zero in the NFL. Oh, come uh, on. It's taken a long time, but zero is back. 
So number zero, I don't know. Some people uh, don't like it. As I mean, as far as how it looks on a jersey, I don't think that they are. They don't like that it's a rule, but some guys actually look okay in it. So zero is back, and I actually like this one, which I'm typically not a fan of anything that makes the game longer, but reviewing failed fourth down attempts that are kind of in question, almost like the um, the automatic review on a turnover or on a touchdown or scoring play. Um, they're going to uh, take a close look at fourth downs that were failed that were really close. So I think that's a positive. That, that should have already been because it is a turnover on downs. That's right. Should have been, should have been reviewed already if it was that close. I, I'm very excited about zero. You're right. I think some dudes look awesome in it. The NFL made a huge mistake, though. Yeah. The fact that they won't, everyone else gets to wear zero, but the O line and D line. What are we doing, NFL? We all know that a big fat defensive tackle with a zero on him would look incredible. I think they're protecting them from themselves. I think that was, they'd look like a donut. Yeah, exactly. That's what we want. It's an entertainment product, Ted. There's nothing better than a big fat guy wearing zero. Like even the equipment guys, you know, they would buy like an extra jumbo sized zero to put on there. Yeah. I can't believe they're not letting the big boys with that. That's discrimination. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably right. And uh, I did forget to mention that they've opened up a a whole new uh, group of numbers for kickers now. Any number from 0 to 49 or 90 to 99 for kickers. <laughs> Congratulations, kickers. Everyone uh, everyone loves your jersey numbers. I, I, okay. A couple of things that didn't get passed. Reviewing, uh, roughing the passer. Because there were some horrible roughing the passer calls, right, that are just a football tackle, a normal sack that got got called as roughing the passer not reviewing those and and it doesn't say I didn't see like how close they were but the fourth and 20 opportunity for onside kick it wasn't allowed but I feel like it's getting close I think there was an NF all-time NFL low of onside kicks recovered so I think it's coming at some point they're going to get that approved I think as yeah. an option, they're doing it in the XFL now. I think it's fourth and fifteen in the XFL, but won't be. It may take a little bit, but that that does feel like one that's going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an and entertainment product. It's more fun. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone cares, but uh, touchback on punt failed. They were wanting to get some folks possibly wanted to get it to the twenty-five starting line, just like a, a touchback on kickoff and a fair catch on kickoff starting on the twenty-five. Neither one of those are going to be implemented. Good for you, Ted. I don't know. <laughs> I you can barely stand it when OU fair catches the kickoff in the college game. I think your head would explode if you were sitting on the couch on a Sunday and you saw someone fair catch a kickoff. I just say why twenty-five? Why not on a touchback start at the fifty-yard line, right? <laughs> Start at the 50 or start from where they kicked the ball, right? To make it easier to score. That's what we want. Numbers on the scoreboard. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I'm going back to the NFL. This time, 
players. The whole Thursday night football situation is back. And there were, I guess, serious discussions about flexing games to Thursday night. Uh, They put that on the back burner. They're not going to do that for now, but two Thursday night football games is what they're thinking. What do you think about that? I think that would suck. I I don't think people realize, maybe they do, but when you play on a Thursday night in the NFL – you essentially do not practice like recovering from an NFL game is it's a process, especially for the older dudes, a normal week. You don't practice until Wednesday. So yeah, that's like walkthrough day for a Thursday night game. Yeah. I, I remember the Thursday night games. Cause we, we played in a Thursday night game when I was in Buffalo, we played in Cleveland. Like you just have walkthroughs on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then you go play on Thursday. It's it's all, all the guys hate it. Hate it. And the fact that, that you could now play multiple Thursday night games, the players, there may be an uprising of sorts for from the first team that has to play in two. I got a novel idea. If Thursday night games are getting horrible ratings, stop playing them. Can, I, I'm with you. If you could rate that game better on a Sunday, play it on Sunday. I am convinced. I'm convinced that the players understand the ratings piece of thing. I feel like we have a better understanding of TV deals and ratings and advertising and like all that stuff now, like the general public does. I'm convinced some of the players are just like, let's all just play awful. Let's make this game awful so that Thursday night football goes away. Yeah. Well, they're doing a good job of it. Um I I don't know what the answer it's is. It's a bad but, product, man. I mean, there's been good Thursday night games before, but it's it's I don't know. I it's not a shock that Thursday night games are are not good whenever you don't get to practice before them, right? And everything is condensed. The players are sore and tired and still banged up from the previous week. And it's, I don't know. You've added games to the season. Everyone, you know, it wasn't very long ago that like four teams played on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. And you had a 16-game regular season with a bye week. And now everyone plays on Thursday night. And you've added a game. It's, It's not meaningless. Right. There is going the first team, like if a team has to play two Thursday night games, they are going to like it's gonna be a big deal. There's gonna be a lot said publicly by set by that team. Yeah. They're gonna lose it. Yep. Cause it's gonna it, it's gonna come at a bad time. Oh right? yeah. The worst time, probably. <laughs> it, but it's gonna be wants a thing. To see you play. <laughs> Brutal. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. 
John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong, any of the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their in- entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier, people. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, I thought about going with Bradley Beal just because I think this story is hilarious. And I... I don't know if anything's going to come of it. I don't know if it's going to cost them some cash, but it's, it's funny, man. So they lost to the Magic last week, and he's walking off the court, and I guess some guy, it's him and his buddy, and this guy yells at him about making him lose a bet on the game, right? It's like $1,300, right? Which, okay, man, that's you a lot of money on the game. There you go, nice. But the guy's yelling this stuff. Totally thinks nothing is going to come of it. Bradley Beal hears it, stops, walks right over to him and his buddy, gets in their face, I guess flips a guy's hat off his head. I love it. People say crazy stuff to NBA players like they can't do anything about it. I love that he just stopped. He was going to the tunnel. He was like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm handling this. It goes, hey, guess who's in town? Flipper. Boom. Got him. And I. I just love, I, I think players should be able to confront fans saying crazy stuff like this more often. I, I really enjoyed reading about this story. Absolutely. I I don't think there's, uh, one of the worst things in sports is the fact that people think because they paid for a ticket to be there that they can say and yell anything that they want at any of the players, Right. There'd be a whole lot less of that if there was a lot more of players doing this and not getting in trouble for it. Like, I I don't know it. I understand like you've got to conduct yourself, um, and you can't just go jumping into the stands anytime somebody says something bad. But I don't know. I'm you can't you can't let the players just go uh, go wild out there. But I think there's needs to be some type of balance. I'm with you. I, I've said it for years. Sometimes you should just be able to, that someone says something crazy about your mom or your kids or something like they take it to that level. It's real life, man. It's a slappable. It's offense. in Twitter. It's saying <laughs> Twitter. He's that you're, we're standing right here, buddy. I, I think that would be hilarious. Just yep. like, all right, game stops. Here we go. These two, these two are going at it. 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Here we go. The the problem is our legal system. Because <laughs> if he slapped that guy, that guy would try and sue him for, you know, $10 million, which is ridiculous. And a judge would allow it instead of saying, well, what'd you say to him? 
well, I said his mom, you know, this, that, and the other thing. He's like, that's a slappable offense. Uh, court case dismissed. <laughs> dismissed. Yeah, because that's what should happen, but it doesn't. Oh, that's funny. All right, but my winner of the week, Ted, sometimes, sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes the world works in mysterious ways, the universe, if you will. My winner of the week, Dan Snyder. Guy has been an awful owner. All kinds of problems there with that Washington organization. Had to change the name to the commanders. Workplace culture issues, right? He was accused of sexual misconduct. There's a huge investigation into that. They kind of got accused of cooking their books, right? Some financial issues. But, I mean, he even had to turn the day-to-day over to his wife. Well, life's not always fair, man, because Dan Snyder has received two different bids from two different groups that have submitted fully financed offers of $6 billion to buy the commanders. Just a reminder, Snyder was the leader of a group that bought the team in 99 for $800 million. $6 billion. Mm. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. Ted, I, bet, I bet he learned his lesson, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw this. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. Hey. We went from Jim Ursay saying he should be getting voted out of the league to, oh, here are two separate $6 billion offers. Which would you like, Mr. Snyder? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I remember when I th- – think it was my rookie year it was it was 0405 um you know the the players union was in to talk I, they were about to ne- negotiate a cba um extension or something i don't remember but uh they put up a graph of like how much these nfl franchises are worth and washington was number 2 i think it was like i mean they they paid eight hundred million for it ninety nine. I think it was like nine hundred and twenty something million dollars, and it was number two. Like how how expensive it is, and someone just paid six billion for it. And I can't imagine it's anywhere close to the most valuable right now. It can't be. I. Uh, they got issues, man. But I know, and hey. they got a terrible stadium. Horrible awful but i mean you are worth what someone will pay for you six billion to six billion and and it's more about like when you own a you're getting into the club man the revenue sharing it's like it's you can't lose money it's impossible (laughs) you you think the walton family remember they just bought what they buy the broncos for 4.5 4.6 something like that yeah, that. Do you think they're like, damn, we got a deal, we we got a steal, baby? They did get a steal. It ain't close. I'm not great at math, but four point six is less than six. Significantly less. <laughs> God, Dan Steiner, you got to be kidding me! All right, for my loser of hey, the week, real quick though, they don't really even have a brand anymore. People don't even know the name of the team. I know. 
that's what's crazy. Like a lot of it times- went from the Washington Redskins to remember remember the Washington football team era. That was fun, and yeah. now they're the Commanders. Yeah, they don't, you're not even buying like a a a massive brand like like the Redskins were previously. It's that's wild. Six billion dollars, man. Ooh, all right for my loser of the week. Now, normally we keep this sports focus, but this was this was so bizarre. I had to bring it up. I thought about going with, I think it's pronounced Val, V-O-W. It's an Australian cultivated food company. Hmm. They make like meats in a lab. And for whatever reason, they have created a meatball by combining woolly mammoth DNA with fragments of elephant DNA. Who wanted this? I have no idea. You can't eat it because I guess they don't know how our immune systems would handle it. What the hell are we doing? Who asked for this? Why? What are we doing? Why? Seems like a gigantic waste of money to me. I, uh, it doesn't seem agreed. like that is um, cheap to do. I did see something recently that they're incredibly close to actually cloning and having woolly mammoths back. Do we need woolly mammoths back? No. What? Uh, do we need it back? What are we doing? We got all the, we got all the, uh, artificial intelligence stuff going with the chat GPT stuff. We got the robotic stuff. Now we're making woolly mammoths. What the hell are we doing? I don't know. And and those are some of the, the less controversial things that, that are happening <laughs> right now. Like we've got things to focus on. Let's go. I, prioritize people uh it's exhausting there's probably some science nerds out there like you just don't understand that's uh, true i don't i don't you're right i don't understand why we're spending a bunch of money but why we're getting these vc companies to give money to make a woolly mammoth meatball what are we doing why we got other stuff to solve on this planet we don't need the woolly mammoth back it's pointless I don't care if it's woolly mammoth. I don't care if it's elephant. I don't care if it's tiger. It doesn't matter. I'm not eating lab-grown meat. At least I'll try it not just when, to see. I'm not going to on my own accord. At some point, it's going to be like, gotcha, you've actually been eating lab-grown meat for years, and you didn't even know it. Like they, I'll admit they may get me with that, <laughs> but if it's up to my choice, it's not happening. Oh. Uh. That's funny. I, I think I'm with you on that. But I, if someone's like, hey, do you want to try a lab-grown steak? It's a perfect filet. It's delicious. I got a feeling I'm not going to say no. Like, you got to try it, you know? Or we could do like a side-by-side -side thing where, hey, which one is which? And if you can't tell the difference, that's where we're going to... I could see you... Becoming angry in that situation, though. Yeah. I'm angry thinking about it, being forced <laughs> into that position. <laughs> why would you do this to me? Speaking of why would you do this to me, my loser of the week, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, by the time that people listen to this, it is, it's very possible that the Thunder have just beaten Detroit. I really hope so. But, Ted, all I wanted was a calm, relaxing Tuesday night, and that is not what I got. And I know that Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't play, but my God, what a painful, painful loss 
to the Charlotte Hornets. And, and maybe it's karma for me, me making fun of the Mavs, right? Me and all the other Thunder fans. We were making fun of the Mavs. You lose back-to-back to the Hornets. Ha-ha. <laughs> Look at you, losers. And here we are. Here we are. Gave up 137 points to the Hornets on your own floor. They didn't have four of their top five scorers. You let P.J. Washington cook your ass <laughs> for 43 points. Career high, of course. You have seven guys who, I don't know, four of the seven probably are borderline, you know, maybe NBA, maybe G League type guys. You let seven guys go in double figures. Defense was bad, man. Bad, bad, bad. And it made me sad. Made me real sad. I feel like someone should pull the starters and sit them on the bench for an entire finals game because often these teams where they're not playing any of the the starters are almost impossible to beat. I love it. Well, you know, they're desperate, right? They're not established guys. Listen, guys, they're not established guys for a reason. I'm so tired of hearing that. It's like, well, this is why the Thunder won some games late last year because guys didn't have anything to lose. They're playing for jobs. I get it, but they're also worse at basketball. Gosh. It's a, we can't just bring that can't be the excuse every time. Well, desperate, you know, they got nothing to lose. Come on, man. I don't know. I can't explain it. Shockingly, it seems like it happens a lot. Yeah. Let's, I don't know. Maybe we just hear about it whenever it does. Let's let's look at the positive, right? Had a couple awesome performances from guys. Now, the defense as a whole was terrible, terrible. But offensively, Jalen Williams, 31. Isaiah Joe, career high, 33. Josh Giddy, a career high, 31. Second trio in NBA history that were all younger than 24 to score 30 points in a game. That's great. That's cool. I'm going to give them uh, – and the comeback was awesome. You're down 13. It felt like that thing was over, and they came roaring back. But, boys, we got to make free throws. You got to hit pressure free throws, Isaiah Joe, Josh Giddy. We got to – you when you make that awesome of a comeback, you got to finish the job, man. What are we doing? Yeah. It was fun being there, though. That place, that place was rocking in the back half of that fourth quarter. Very fun. Yeah. That's uh, that's tough. That's frustrating. But I mean, I, you got to get because all right, yeah, they got nothing to lose. The Hornets, but the Thunder does, and I don't think any of these guys have really been in that position before, right? No, and it's different where you're you're shooting foul shots in a pressure situation, and in some of these plays, like yeah, you always want to win, but. Now you've actually got something hanging on the line there. It becomes a little bit different. Yeah, it there there's there's a lot of people that view the NBA like, hey, it's just 182, right? No. Not all 82 games are created equal. And I know SGA was out, and I wonder if he regrets sitting out. But that game meant more. 
right? And I know it's the it's the long term view of the franchise and all that stuff, but it's a game they knew you got to go and win. And even though the comeback was off, like they they didn't get the job done, but I'm going to remain positive, right? This is all just bonus for this season, right? That was not supposed to be. We didn't have high expectations, but now that we see that we should make the play in, we want it real bad. And I still think, like you mentioned, it's very good for this team to play in games where it feels like a lot is on the line and just being there. Like it felt like you could feel the pressure and the tension in the building and you could feel like the environment and guys playing in games like that and feeling that I think will pay dividends down the line. I do. I just wish they would have made those free throws. Yeah. And won the game. Hmm. What are we looking like? What's the, What's the chances? What's the picture? It's it's looking like a battle for that tenth spot. Now, hey, maybe maybe you go on a run, right? But you got to get the next two. You got to beat Detroit. You got to beat Indiana. You got four games in April: the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, who are tanking, and then you finish the season with Memphis, who could at that time be resting their guys. So I, I think I think you gotta win four. You got six left, you gotta win four. And we'll see what happens. Well, there you go. There's the gauntlet. Go get it done. Come on, Thunder. I have I have regrouped. I will be back in the building tonight, Wednesday night, to support them again even though they made me real sad last night. <laughs> real sad. On that note, episode 304 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all, hope you all have an awesome rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time